Hi. Morning. Hi. Oh, yeah. It's still morning. Are we stuck for words here? That's not good when you have a microphone in front of you. No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Seems like we're stuck. No. Oh. Are you stuck? Well, we were talking about stuff. Can yeah, I, I just know. say what we were talking about? Which part? I had one of my friends talking to me. We, he called me. He coaches. He called me. We were talking about hockey, about stuff, how, my, how the camps were this summer, all that stuff. And um, he goes, so how was the summer? What, what did it look like? I said, oh, it was uh, six weeks, six hours a day. So after we talked a little bit, he goes, how, how much longer are you going to be able to do this? I said, I don't know, at least five years, six years, seven, ten, I don't know. And he, he was kind of laughing. He goes, no. So I'm like, yeah. And he was kind of arguing with me. <laughs> did it hurt your feelings? No. No, it fires me up. Does it, did he make you, fires did me you, up. Did this it make is you the feel thing, old? Man. This is the thing. We're, we're, this is like, it's, it's life 101. Yeah. No one can tell you what you are able to do with your life. I agree. So I had a goal. I have a goal, had a goal. I don't think my original goal is feasible, but maybe it will be because that's old. But I had to go, I, okay, I'll tell you my goal. Well, I said it when I was 31 because I love doing what I do so much. I said I want to do this till I'm 81. Just get on the ice and run some stuff. Now, <laughs> now that I look at it because I'm 53 <laughs> 81, my skin would be flopping. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, <laughs> bald yeah. head, three hairs sticking <laughs> out. Maybe not 81. Yeah. And I think that's probably not safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not safe. I still have a, a goal. It's not 81. It's, it's much less. But the bottom line is I'm still okay out there. Yeah, you're actually really good. <laughs> and and I really enjoy it. Yeah. And more than that, I've I've taught myself, regardless of what someone thinks the body is capable of doing. Well, this is why I work out. This is why I stay in relatively good shape. This is uh, a motivating factor for me is because I, I do want to do something pretty special for me, not for anybody else, for me. Yeah. And uh, and I've changed how hard I skate, obviously, over the last couple of years because I'm, I'm not nearly as quick, especially. But I do have speed still, but I, I'm, nearly, I'm not nearly as quick. But I got some pretty good hands. I can still rifle a puck. So... It's good, but what I've done is I've just increased my brain power on the ice as opposed to my physical ability, yep. right? So I maintain my physical ability. I continue to educate myself and study the game and other things, and I like teaching the kids, and the kids still respond to me for the most part very, very well, so why not, yeah. right? And who is anybody to say that you're getting too old? Yeah, for sure. And that's what I like about it. It's like, I'll show you. Get hungry. That's yeah, my thing that's is it. I will show you. That's good. Well, you know, I, and I'll be, you know me, I'll be real stubborn about it too. Yep, that's I'll true. walk in here with a, three hip replacements. Three, <laughs> and I'll go because yeah. I have a goal. Yeah, well, I mean, and it, it'll still pivot beyond that because you could still do it till you're 81, maybe not on the ice necessarily, but I run a business. In, run, in the business, like yeah. talking, doing that. We could do the podcast till you're 81. Yeah, that would maybe. be hard. Yeah, that'll be interesting. 30 years imagine that but it, it honestly it motivates me so much because like the, the parallel i'm being very truthful with you here the parallel is like when a kid comes to me and i would consider their talent level low or is that, is that the sentence i would consider I them not the is. best hockey player yeah but when they look me in the eye and they say um coach like i want to play at this level i have to assume that they're serious and yeah. who the hell am I to say, well, you can't do it because you're no good. Yeah. So 
if he has the desire, there's nothing, there's nothing that could stop him if he really chooses to, right? So, and then I also do it for the fact that there's a couple other examples I, I was talking about recently. But anyways, let's just say for my son, right? It's the, mo the most important person in my life, my wife and my son. Okay? And you. Thanks, man. <laughs> no, the, the most important person in my life. And when my son looks at me doing something, I want him to look at me and say, my dad, my dad is a sick human being, not my dad is a neutered cat. Yep. So when, when, and, and it's, and it's the truth. Like he still thinks, I think he could beat me up actually now, but he still thinks I can beat him up because he sees the physical yeah. stuff that I do. And, yeah. and, um, yeah, you want to have, I his, always, you still want to have his respect. Well, I always want, want that, yeah. but I always want him to say like, and then when my son, here's, this is why, this is the other reason. This is a more important reason. I always want to do something that's maybe a little bit outside of normal for me, obviously, but also because I deal with kids. And my message to kids is that, always, is that if you feel like you don't let anyone tell you what you can do, or if you have a goal, go for it. It's about not quitting. It's about trying, doing hard things and all that stuff. So if I am not willing to do it myself, then the message is actually lost and no good for nothing. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure, man. So, so especially for my son and my wife, like even it's even my wife, even for you, right? Like I, I'm being honest, right? Well, you get inspired by people that actually do things. So if I can be active and still work and because, you know, it's so funny. My wife and I talk about this all the time. It's like some people say, when are you going to retire? And I'm like, I don't even like the word because retirement to me is like, what are we going to go on a beach? Well, yeah. now what? Yeah. What are we going to do? Sit at home? Like when I go home and sit at home, it's like, that's boring. Yeah. I got a little bit more life in me than that. Yeah. So the word retirement to me or slowing down, it's like, what does that mean? So why, so why can't I just do what I love to do? So I, I think it's good for a lot of people around me. Not that that matters, but for me, it's important. For sure, man. So no, absolutely. It's well, How's that for an opener? No, it's great. It's great. Well, man, you know what? The retirement thing's funny too because so it's like such a thing that people look forward to. But then it's funny because as soon as people retire, they start looking for things to do, right? Well, so it's like, what does retire mean? It's like let's 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 hit the brakes and now I get to relax. Yeah. Now I get to relax. It's like yeah, but yeah. like how much relaxing do you want to do? <laughs> it's yeah. like, so you know? I've got like I can go through a bunch of people like that, but I got to think right off the top of my head, a friend of mine. Not a good friend, but a friend of mine that I used to have some laughs with, laughs with, and a few beers and stuff. A funny guy was a cop, and he was he became a police officer when he was like eighteen or twenty, and he retired at uh, forty nine or fifty, whatever that number is. But it was like I don't think it was fifty because he was my age, and it, it was been a couple three years. So he went and got a job delivering prescriptions, it's a part time job. It's like because he was bored and it was something to do, and it's extra money. It's like. Okay, so this is my this is my 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 mindset is that okay. So you had a job that, and he actually really liked being a police officer. She so had a job that you love and you worked for, and and he actually loved being a police officer. So then you retire to deliver prescriptions, which you think is like anybody can do that. So for me, it's the same thing. I built a business up and a a passion up, like to quit this and go do what? Yeah, I love this. Yeah, exactly. I love this. I love everything yeah. about my life. Why would I go? Why would I change it? Yeah. Well, that's you what's know? fun. It's if you can find something that you're actually passionate about, where you have an actual career and not just a job, then you'll want to keep. You don't. You don't even. You don't call it work. Like it's not work. It's like when even when I talk to people about coming here, it's I go to work. 
but it's like I don't think of it as work. Like I'm not thinking of it like I have to go to my job because I have to be there because I have to make money because I have to do that whatever. I don't think of any of that. It's like I would rather I would want to be here anyways. I would want to be here and do this. And it's like if you can have if you can find something that you're that into, then like retiring is not something you look forward to. It's like I'm gonna just continue doing what I'm doing. So like I think about that with my dad because my dad runs the the music studio. This guy loves playing his guitar, man. He loves making music. He loves like he's not gonna retire. He won't retire. For what it's reason? not gonna happen. He's gonna maybe change how he does things, change what he prioritizes. But some significant division of his time is always gonna be geared towards music things until sure. the day he's gone. For sure. Because that's just what he likes to do. Yeah. You know? And that's now, an awesome thing to be like to be able to say, right? Yeah. Now would it hurt me to take a vacation with my wife once? Go to Italy once right. or go somewhere? Yeah. Like that's it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't probably hurt. I'm not interested, by the way. Might be good. It might be good for me, yeah. might be good for everything, but I, I who knows? But mm-hmm. that'll be something I can add to the For sure. Yeah. Add, absolutely. Another bullet I could add to the gun. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, but it's not that you're, you never work now. It's like you never do anything productive because it's just time to relax. Yeah, and it's and like, then it's like, because then what happens is you're just waiting to die. That what well, they are. That's the, what the you're only, doing. The only <laughs> evidence of life is growth. Yeah, right? That's the truth. Yeah. If you ain't growing, you're dying. Yeah. If you're busy being born, you're busy dying. Yeah. So if you're not actually actively pursuing something, yeah. have something, have yeah. something that you're, it could be yeah. anything. It doesn't well, even matter. Yeah. You could be a, gol- a golfer a- at 80 years old and wanting to lower your score. You're pursuing something. Yeah. There's growth, yeah. reading, whatever. But uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, I had another st- thought on that, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> Having said that. Yeah. <clears throat> we're going to answer some questions today. I'm going to read this first one. Okay. Is it a crazy guy? It's not. Okay. But here's the thing about the crazy dad stuff. Okay. The crazy dads always say they're not crazy dads. Always. But I can appreciate the challenge of not knowing when you cross the line into crazy dad land. Like it's not that it's not really that clear. You can, you can appreciate what? I can appreciate the like challenge? the challenge of as the dad. Yeah. Like not knowing where the line is. Like at oh, what point sure. have I crossed into crazy land? Right, because it's not really that clear. It's kind. Of, it's not really like a defined spot that you have to get to. Now you're crazy. It's like a bit of a spectrum, as they say. Yeah, because you either care a lot or you don't care at all. Yeah, and it's, it always comes down to the intention and whatever. And there's a lot of gray or whatever. So, anyways, <clears throat> I'll start with this one because it's the longest, and then we'll yeah. get progressively shorter as we go here. So, um, this is from Joe. So Joe, um, reaching out, love the content, extremely informative, yada yada. Um, my question is because, uh, the likelihood of going high, high to high levels in hockey is honestly slim to none. And the percentages are so low. My son, who's six, six year old son is starting to enjoy the game, which is what I wanted first and foremost, took some nice steps last year. And in the off season, we mess around with, uh, some puck skills. He does one skating lesson a week. And, um, he recently went with someone who gave him a private lesson and he loved it smiling the whole time, which leads me to my question of how much is too much at that young of an age. I'm not trying to be that crazy parent who thinks by investing more money into lessons, it will help his chance of getting to the next level at an older age. And I certainly do not want him to get burnt out and hate the game. Would just love some insights because you guys talk a lot about older levels of hockey. Thanks. What's the last sentence? Can you talk about? 
you, he said because you talk about a oh. lot about the older ages, he'd like oh. our input on like the younger age. Okay. So, um, so sifting through all that, it's a kid's six years old. How much is too much for a six year old? Yeah. That's the question. Have at it. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, I wrote down a couple things there. So six years old. Yep. So there's, there's, um, there's no such thing as training for a six year old in my opinion. It's it's just playing hockey number one and 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 of course if he enjoys it that's awesome. So and um, yeah he could play some hockey like like six years old is all about having fun. That's all it is. That's all it is, man. Um, you you can't get your hopes up in any way. Uh, listen, no, I was a dad. When you're six, when the kid is six years old and you see him do well, you get very happy, and then you naturally think, oh, there might be something there with my son, and there might be actually. Um, but it's not a time to get too excited about it. But, it, it, but if he enjoys it and he's actually doing pretty well, then okay. Then we got, this looks like a sport that we might be able to play. Cool. But he's six. Right. Okay. And I'm not saying Joe, you're a jerk or anything. That's, I'm just saying, just saying what, what I feel. He, he's six. So that's great. Yeah. At seven, he might take, take up lacrosse and hate hockey or he might go into dancing, ballet dancing and yeah, say, yeah, this point. is even better. Yeah. Right. You know, no, I'm yeah, being honest, sure. right? Uh, because kids change their minds all the time. But I would assume most kids that start playing hockey like hockey, and if you like it, you're going to play for a long time, which is the most important thing. Uh, the next thing is like he that he said was he was he's made steps, uh, and I was I was I would say that taking steps is, means that he made improvement. If I'm reading it correctly, right. if you're reading it correctly, yep. so yes, and that's a natural progression, right? It's like when a, a, a child first learns how to eat, he starts with with his hands, then they use a spoon, they get it on their forehead, and then it gets better as you get better better at it, right? Yeah. Those are steps that just natural improvements. Yeah. It's the same with reading and anything that you do. So if you get on the ice more than once, and you get right, you're gonna you should get better progressively. It's kind get of by better. default. So right? steps. Okay, and that's good. But this is good. Yeah. It's better than skating, you know. But that's natural, so that's good. Um, he had a lesson, a skating lesson, or goes to once a week goes on a skating lesson. Yep. Uh, now th this is where I would say, okay, skating lesson. What type of lesson is it? It's it's good and well, the intention is one thing, and it's good and maybe not so good. It's good if um, if you go to a very very, and I assume it is. I assume it is. I'm, uh, so I assume that the lesson that your son went to at six was like a can. Well, in Canada, we call it a can skate. It's yeah. Canada skate, which is a very simple form of, you know, having kids skate down the ice. It's it's beneficial, maybe, maybe not, but at least you're on the ice, and I think it's good to do that. That's fine. That's cool. You can learn how to fall, stand up, etc. Out of life. So that's cool. A private lesson. At six, I think that's where you you might be you might be uh, getting a little aggressive. What if you what if the kid begs you to do the private lesson? Well, why did he learn about the private lesson? What do you mean? How did he learn? How did the six year old learn about a private lesson? Like, let's say he, they're Someone at the rink, him. and before he goes on with his team, there's a guy on the ice training a kid, and he's like, "Hey, dad, can I do that?" Like that kind of thing. How do you handle that? Like my yeah. point being, however you heard about it, yeah. It's not like dad said, hey, there's this private teacher. Would you like to do that? It's like if the kid really wanted to do it and he's like begging you and begging you to do it and, you know, you can afford to do it or whatever. Yeah, what I do you guess think that's that? the answer is if you can afford to do it and you have the time, that's fine. And just the kid I mean, really I'm not wants here to. to. I'm, I'm not actually here to say you're dumb or you're smart for doing it. Yeah, my, yeah. my opinion is a private lesson at here's, – here's, here's why my opinion is this. A private lesson at six years old 
is not a private lesson and it's not a beneficial uh, use of your time or your money. Here's why. You know this from if we brought in a, a, a six-year-old here for a, a workout, just a private workout, the brain is not ready to absorb what you're going to tell them. Yeah. Right. Yep. So sure. that's the point. The, yep. the 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 boy. The, so all you're doing is basically like not much in a private lesson. Yeah. yeah. Right. It can't be much. That's six. It can't be much. Maybe yeah. the kid can skate around pretty good, but the teaching and taking the information is not happening. Right. Or if it happens, it's like so yeah, insignificant. Sure. You can learn that in three seconds at eight. Yep. Right. So that's what I would say about the private lesson. So what was the final part of that question? So I. So my point is, you don't necessarily need any private lessons yep. at that age. Yep. And 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 so just to take that a step further, if you did need a private lesson at some point, for me, my cutoff would be when uh, my when when your son or your player is at a point where you know that you know that he's wants to be a player. Or there's one specific thing that he really wants to work on because I don't want to sit here and say if you're not a good hockey player, you're not going anywhere. You should never have a private lesson because I don't know your intention. If you just want to have, you want to work on your shot so you can be a better shooter, and there's a a shooter, a shooting coach that's very good at it that can help you shoot. Well, that's okay. Yeah, sure. But I'm saying if you're making, if you're looking at it as an investment of making your kid a better player, a private lesson probably doesn't really need to happen until there's a, a. a realization that we need to get serious about hockey. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then what was the last part of that question? Sorry. That was it. You hit them all. Okay. Yep. Got them all. That's good. I'll leave, I'm going to leave it there because I'm just going to re-say what you just said. So um, that's good. Next one. Uh, this is kind of a pair of questions. So these kind of are kind of the same thing. Just let me pull them up here. So, okay. So I got two. They're, they're kind of related. So the first one, um, guy asked, when you know a scout is watching you, and he's from the school you want to attend. Yep. How do you stay calm and play your game and not press too hard? Okay. That's question one. Yeah. And then kind of, we can kind of tie these two together. Yeah. Uh, Paul asked, is it normal to be very intimidated at tryouts and skates? How can I work on stopping this? So I pair, I kind of paired those together because yeah, they're kind of the same, good. similar, similar answer. Different circumstance, but similar kind of question. So, um, uh, sorry, normal to be nervous at tryouts? Tryouts or skates or, or tryouts. as you said, at tryouts or skates. So that'd be like new, new, yeah. new situation kind of yeah. thing. So yeah. they're kind of the same, same yeah, question. Questions. So go they're ahead. Questions. It's a common question too. Yep. Um, first of all, for both of these, got someone that you know is watching you that's the scout from a school how can i play without getting basically too uptight too nervous pressing too hard squeezing it's a big game man you know and the other ones how is it normal to be nervous before tryouts or a big game or the scout or whatever yeah and the answer is you guys are normal 100 percent normal the 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 reason that it's normal is because it's obviously important to you and when something's important to you you value it and when you value it you want to do well and the, the 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 thing that's making you nervous, and the thing that's making you press too hard, or or think too much, or not be calm, is that you're you're fearful of the unknown. That's all it is. Because if you've done hockey for X amount of times, X amount of years, or whatever, you know exactly how you play. And what would make if you're if you're let's say that you're uh, the best player on the team, typically the top player on the team 
every time that you've played or most of the time, there's really no other reason why you wouldn't be the best player on the team that night, right? Yep. If you're in the middle of the pack, then there's no reason why you should be the best player. You should be probably around the middle of the pack. So everything that you've done up to this point should be relatively the same. So it's the fear of the unknown that will make things bigger than what they are and make you think about it. So, And this is what we talk about all the time or what we've said so many times about when you do go to a big game or tryouts or training camps and stuff like that is when you overthink, then that's where the world, this isn't for anything, right? When you overthink something, then all of a sudden it becomes a bigger task than anything you've ever done. So what you have to realize is that the school, the school for the school answer is that there's every game that you've played. If there's a scout at that game, there's been scouts at other games. There's scouts. So everyone has seen you. Um, and they either like you or they don't. I mean, there's not much you can do about their perception except for play your best. Um, but this is what we call the sports psychology or the mental toughness 101, right? It says you can only control what you can control. And we'll say this a million times because it's the most, yeah. in my opinion, it's probably the most underdeveloped part of a hockey player. Not only hockey player, but people in general is not having the mental toughness just to get through day-to-day tough things. And the more that you think about a big thing, is it's just it, it weighs on you. So, what? How do we get through this? Is you can control what you can control. So, if you know that the the scout that is coming from or the camp that's coming up, um, you do everything the same. That's that's the bottom line. You do everything the same. If you if you can improve anything, it would be, you know, get your sleep, get your rest, and 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 you can visualize good things. Those are good positive things. Seeing yourself do things well, and and. Um, do your normal routines and then just go and play because that's the only thing that you can actually control. And even if you have your best game, you're the best guy on the ice and the guy from the school that's watching you might say, wow, yeah, he's a really, that's a really good player, but we're not looking for that type of player right now. So that doesn't, so it doesn't matter. Yep. So if you're, if you do your thing and you do it every day and you do it the right way all the time, then someone somewhere is going to be the, they're going to get it. You're going to get your opportunity if you're good enough. Yeah. I think right. the, the key on that's the nothing changes part. It's like you don't, nothing is different. Like everything's the same. And that's a big mistake that a lot of players can make. We've talked about this so much, so many times, but going in, when you're, when you're going into the big game or you're going into a new situation, whatever you, you're for some reason, there's a tendency that you want to care just a little more. So you want to do something just a little extra or change something just a little bit or add something to your pregame warm up or, do something you wouldn't have normally done. Yeah. And your body doesn't like that. Like your body likes patterns. It likes routine. It likes things to be the same so that you eliminate those unknowns, right? Yeah. So you're not getting new stimulus for no reason. So I would just be say, be careful about that. Like introducing new things that you don't need to put there just because you think it's a bigger game. Cause that's something you you're can making it bigger. You're now. making it bigger. You're yeah. making it bigger by right. doing different things. Right. But, but we get the question, right? Yep, like there's, sure. We, I, of course, you understand if you go to, if you're like this. This sounds like someone from college, possibly mm-hmm. the, the scout with the or from um, the United States. And so, let's just say you're at the uh, high school or USAHL, whatever you're playing in those, and you're at that, that big event or the big tournament or the big championship thing. It's like, yeah, there's gonna be scouts there, and it's like you don't change a thing because what got you there is what got you there. Yeah, and. Um, and, and and if it was good enough then it's good enough now 
Yep. So yeah, if people try to make it, even if you have a better game than you ever had, it's just going to be so much better anyways. Yeah. So you just always, guys, always remember that you can only control what you can control. And it's very, very important to stay present. It's just like, you know, like having a first group on the ice in the summertime, maybe their first group of junior guys. And it's like, oh man, okay, I want to have a really good summer. And if I overthink that myself as a 53-year-old man that's more mature than these people and have been doing it for a long time, if I overthink it, it's not as good as my organic, natural self. Yeah. So it's the same thing as a player. You do what you do and you can control what you can control. Yeah. And you don't overthink and you don't get nervous about it that way. So, so kind of, I'm going to pair this one in yeah. here now too because just in terms of like, you know, not reinventing the wheel and changing things, Sam just asked, um, my tryouts start tomorrow. It's a scrimmage and I'm usually a center, but should I stick to that or should I play wing to show versatility? So this kind of pairs in with what we're talking about. Just my two cents before I throw it back to you is it's good to be versatile as a player, but is it the time to show it when you're in your tryout or should you stick to the thing that you've been doing this whole time, right? And this kind of goes yep. to the reinventing the, the wheel or introducing things that you don't normally do. So if you don't normally play wing, yeah then why when it's you're being judged most obviously at the tryout why would you jump into something that you aren't normally doing right because they don't necessarily care what you're capable of they care what you're best at you want to show them your best not what you can do a little bit well you know so in the if your if your goal is to show the best you can show then you need to be as comfortable as possible in what you're doing so if center is what you are then be a centerman don't don't jump in and throw the show that you can play the wing because what if you're not that great at it? What if you can do it but you're not that great at it? Mm-hmm. You know. So and just pa- kind of pairing off what you were saying before, it's like you try to do. This is exactly the kind of thought now, right? It's like I have a tryout. Oh man, like I should sh- I should really show them everything that I can do and and all that kind of stuff. And it's like that's not really necessary. It's like kind of stick to what you're good at and stick to what you're comfortable with when it's the test day so to speak, I think. I would think you would yeah, agree. Yeah, I, I would agree. Now, if you went in there and you got to pick or add a note, yeah, that shows some enthusiasm. That's a good thing. Like, I'm a centerman, but I can play wing if you would like me to. Right. Okay, that's that's a statement, but I wouldn't volunteer to go and put, put me in a weaker position. Mm-hmm. For sure, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But, yeah, to say that I... I uh, I can, I can, if you, if it, if it helps or if you want me to, that's okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, why would you change it? Be, be the best you can be. But I want to just talk about the versatility thing. Yep. So this goes back to something that we've said all the time, right? It's a big game. It's a big trial. all these things and people try to, to, um, do everything for like in a short period of time to be good for that one day. So if you're versatile, this is why, no, not if you're versatile, this is why it's important to have all your skill buckets, skill buckets filled. So are you a good backward skater, even though you're a forward? No? Okay, well, that might not be good because for penalty killing or if they threw you, to, threw you on D one day just because, oh, we didn't have enough guys or something like that, whatever reason, can you skate backwards? Um, are you mentally tough? Did you work on your mental toughness in case that situation came up? Can you play the wing? You're not flustered. Yeah, I can do. I can do it. And then just focus on it, right? Are you, uh, have you been working your skating, your shot, your passing, all these different things so that you are versatile? Or have you studied hockey enough? Like if you watch more than, you know, the highlights, have you watched actually hockey games to see how hockey players, are you inquiring about hockey? And the more that you get entrenched in the game in every different facet of it, then the more versatile you're going to be. Right. Right. So that's why, that's not why. That's 
a side product of versatility in hockey. You don't have to choose to be versatile. You just by doing all these different things, it will only help you be versatile. Yeah, is that exactly. a sentence? And you're kind of like always prepared for yeah. whatever's coming at you. Yeah, you're yeah. always prepared. Yeah, for sure. So nothing's gonna really shock you. So right? th- see, this is it's this, these are flowing nice because we got one segue in right into the next question, which is kind of good. So the next okay. one that uh, Jackson asked is, "How do I prepare for a morning tryout the day before?" So two, I think there's two ways he could be asking this question. One of two ways. One could kind of be like, what should my routine be like the day before a tryout to prepare, number one? Yeah. Or two could be like, how do I actually get prepared the day before? Which I would hope it's not that one. But because yeah. because then we're kind of getting into, like you were saying before we started, the you're cramming for the test kind of thing, right? Yeah. So if you're you have... prepared then. Yeah. So you go first and then I'll... Oh, you I'll, go ahead. It's, it's all good. Mike. Well, no, was, uh, the... The cram for the test thing is we talked about this before in terms of like studying. If you have yeah. a, if you have a math test on Friday, studying just on Thursday night, you're probably not going to do well on your test Friday. So if you know you have a trial coming up, the time to prepare is always, you know, that's why it's people don't do this. And I didn't do this when I was in high school either necessarily, but it's like, keep up with your homework, study a little bit every day, like drink a little poison every day. And then you don't have to smash it all yeah. at the end of at the end of the week or whatever, and then freak out and pull an all nighter and all this stupid kind of stuff. Right. And it's the same thing with, with hockey. If you have a big thing coming up, the time to prepare is always, you know? So if in three months, you know that you have a showcase tournament, you should already be preparing for that now with how you're practicing and your habits and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, like take it to the extremes, right? So if you're, you're, uh, you're, you always want to be ready. So that's why, you know, it doesn't mean that you're always playing hockey or on the ice every day, but you always want to be ready. So obviously in the summertime, you probably don't need to be on the ice all day, every day to get ready for a game, but you're doing something else to prepare. So mobility, you're working out, your conditioning, all that kind of stuff. During the season, you're always, you know, always in, in you always have that baseline game shape uh, ready to go every day because you never know what could happen. So what could happen? Well, what if your opportunity came one day where you're, I just say where you're a uh, U, U12 or U13 and uh, you're playing for X team, whatever, and the older team calls you up, hey, can you come and play tonight? Now what do you do? Do you have to get prepared for that? Or is it like, no, I can't go because I, I'm not prepared for this. You should just be prepared. You should be ready to play at any time, right? What if, what if you're playing in the uh, uh, American Hockey League you got drafted to the Toronto Maple Leafs and you're playing for the, uh, who's their farm team right now? St. John's? No. The Maple Leafs? Yeah. The Marlies? Oh, the Marlies. Yeah, Toronto yeah. Marlies. So you're playing for the Marlies and uh, you, there's a sudden call up. Eric, you, you, uh, we're calling you up tonight. Is it a freak show? Are you freaking out? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not prepared. I got drunk last night. I was I was up late. I didn't tape my, I don't know. <laughs> you, you're ready. You have to be ready. So that's the extreme of it, right? And then if you're not, you're never going to play. So that's why you're always ready. There's nothing you really don't do anything different every day. If you're ready to, if you're a hockey player, you're ready to play every single day. Yeah. That's why. But this is like another side note, though, right? This is why it's important. Like when, the, like what you always talk about is the routines of doing everything the same pretty much every day, being a freaking bucket of vanilla, because you don't know. Like honestly, you don't know what is coming tomorrow. So you could say. You know, you finished, let's say you're a junior player. And you come home from a road trip or a long weekend. You think everything is, um, okay, Monday's a day off. Okay, typically. That's what it is. So, you know, maybe we let loose a little bit on Sunday, which, of course, right? 
but are you prepared for the unknown for tomorrow? Is it coach old Scotty boys pissed off now because it didn't go the way he wanted. He calls you in and he's a bag skate or it's a weightlifting or it's a video session. And where you're up till three in the morning and you're, you know, your eyes are uh, yeah. like two piss holes in the snow. Right. Or, or, or you get traded and you got to, oh, you didn't knew, you didn't know anything was going to happen. You thought you had a day off. You got traded and you got traded to the uh, Sudbury Wolves that, and you, you're playing that next night. Are you ready? Like, and I, I know this is very extreme, but it's this shit like this happens. Yep. Happens all the time. Not yep. all the time, but it happens. So you have to be ready for, for the unknown. But if you're always ready, you're ready. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe branching into if he's asking kind of like the, the routine the day before. Yeah. It's still the same. Like your routine should be set already. So what am I going to say? I'm going to say, make sure that you got to bed on time for at, le- at least a few days before, for sure. You should be kind of just all the time to be always ready. But yeah. at the very least for a few days, make sure you got good sleep or getting to bed at a good time. Make sure that you're eating properly. Make sure you're not eating like an asshole. Make sure that you're having things that digest well. You're getting protein. You're getting carbs. You're not overeating. You're not undereating. You probably shouldn't be killing yourself with a high, high, high volume, high intensity workout the day before. That's probably not a great idea. You might be a little tired the next day. So that's, but that's all basic things that you already know. Yeah. That that's what you need to do. Yeah. You know, it's nothing sexy. It's not, and that should just be what you're doing already, anyways. Yeah. So if you have a tryout in the morning, what should you do the night before or the day before? The same thing you always do. Yeah. Get to bed on time. Make sure you eat properly through the day. Work on your mobility recovery. Make sure your body feels good and ready to go. There's no there's no secret. There's no secret sauce. There's no secret science. And don't reinvent the wheel. Don't say, well, I'm gonna make sure I'm really loose for tomorrow and go for a run tonight. It's like no. If you don't normally run, you're going to be sore tomorrow, right? Yeah. So it's the same same kind of yeah. things we're always saying, right? Yeah. Be and prepared really, always. And your your routine shouldn't be that dramatically. Uh, your, your routine should be very. It should just should be pretty close to the same every day, anyways. Like, yeah, it's not like you're going to get up and drink like one extra glass of water in the morning. Like you should every day get up and drink a glass of water. That's what you should right. do, anyways. Mm-hmm. But having if you have another glass of water, it's not going to make you that much better. It's just that you need to put water in. Like you said, with the stretching, well, I want to make sure I'm loose. I'm going to stretch out for half an hour uh, to make myself real loose. Well, that's good, but you should be just doing like 10 minutes every day. Yeah. And everything just follows along. Like nothing is going to dramatically change the yeah. way you're going to be. Well, and also keep in mind too, that if you do introduce things that you're not used to, even if it's something that's good, yeah, even if it's not yet a part of your routine where it's a habitual, it could be a bad thing. Yeah. Right. So it's like, okay, I'm going to make, I'm going to chug two extra water bottles before my game to make sure I'm extra hydrated. Yeah. Well, now you're going to have to piss three times during yeah, the game. Piss your pants. Yeah. You're, you're taking, you're, you're like in a slap shot. You're taking a face off. Tell the guy across from you, I'm going <laughs> to piss my pants. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, so now you're in your game and you're thinking about how bad you got to pee. Like, that's not good. Yeah. If you never stretch, you're, I'm going to do a nice long stretch this morning. You might actually be sore yeah. from doing that. Yeah. Right. So introducing things that, are outside of what you would normally do, even if they're overall would be a good way or a good thing to implement into your routine. It's not in your routine yet. So don't just yeah. add it today because yeah. it could actually be something that ends up negatively impacting you yeah. just because it's a different stimulus that you're not used to. That could be food. That could be any kind of activity that you're doing, yeah. whatever, right? Sleeping in a new spot. That's not yeah. the time to try new things, yeah. right? Very true. So um, that's how, what I'll say to finish off on that. Okay. I like this question. And it's because I don't think it's a good one. <laughs> That's why I like it. Okay. I'm 13 and deadlift 
205 pounds for four reps with good form. Okay. Is that good for my age as a hockey player? So this is, this is the question. Okay, so I'm going to start so I can give you some context for what I'm thinking about this question. Yeah. Okay, so first thing, you can deadlift 205 when you're 13, assuming that's actually true. 205, 205 or 405? 205. Yeah, I was going to say okay. 405 and call bullshit on yeah, a 13 year old. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but 205 as a 13 year old for four reps, really like, good. that's good with good form, assuming that's correct. Great. But then he asks, is that good for my age as a hockey player? Right. The, as a hockey player part is the key, what I want to key in on. So if you're asking, is that just good for my age to be lifting two Oh five for four good reps when you're 13? Yeah, that's good. Good for you. As a hockey player. What do you mean by that? Right. So as a hockey player, what is the correlation between how much you can deadlift and how good you are as a hockey player? Yeah. Because that's kind of what the question is. Mm-hmm. He's kind of saying the more I can deadlift, does that mean I'm at the high end of being a hockey player and yeah. how much I can deadlift. And it's like, even if you can, even if of all your hockey friends, you can deadlift the most, what does that have to do with you playing hockey? Right now it could be an indicator for you being strong, right? could be an indicator of, you know, how to navigate the gym real well or something like that. Yeah. But in terms of how does that correlate with you as a hockey player? The answer is it doesn't matter. And the reason why I wanted to, I wanted to bring this question is, is, and is because kids, I find kids a lot, they come in here and they don't know why they're in the gym. Yeah. So they go to, I want the biggest muscles. I want to look like I'm jacked. I want to lift the most. And that's kind of the default mindset when kids come in here, when I start with them around that age, right? 13, Mm -hmm. 14, they come in and they're in a rush to put as much on the bar as they can. They want to do curls with everything. Everybody takes their shirt off after five minutes of doing the workout because they all want that that jacked alpha male look, which is fine. For sure. But it's natural. When it comes to being a hockey player, how much does that actually matter? Yeah. You know? So for this kid leaving this question, that's kind of what my, my answer to the question is it actually it doesn't matter how much you can deadlift as a hockey player. It really doesn't, you know? So I'll leave it there if you have any thoughts you want to throw on that. No, that's that's a good answer. I like that. Yeah. I didn't know what was bothering you so much about that question. Mm-hmm. So I want to clarify if this guy is listening. This is some, this young fella. It's like uh, we're not we're not uh, bugging you here. Yeah, I'm not carving you up. Yeah, yeah. we're just saying like it's, common, like, it's, it's just common, your, mind, your mindset though is like yeah. it's is is totally correct. Is it's not I can bench. Is that good for a hockey player? It's like is it good for a human? But is it? Is it good to be a hockey player? Should you even be def- de- deadlifting is your question. Should mm-hmm. be the question. Right. You know, is that um, is that safe to be deadlifting? And I'm not saying it is or isn't. It's just that should be more of the question. Right. Um, and, yeah, whatever. I like the way you answered it. Yeah, because the absolute amount isn't necessarily a doesn't, – doesn't matter how, how much – the guy, the strongest guy in the NHL isn't the best player. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, Dylan asks, if you – this is going to – I'm interested to hear your answer. If you had to keep it as simple as possible, what is considered a good skater versus a bad skater? Interested to hear your answer. Well, a, a good skater can get up the ice without falling and can stop. <laughs> no, I'll be honest. And, and can turn. Yeah. You know, and, and can get from A to B fluidly. That's if that's the question. Mm-hmm. So you can get up the ice. You can go all four directions. You can turn tightly you can cross over you can stop and change direction that's what a good skater is so i think the 
So I'm thinking of you think of a good, who's like good skater that comes to mind when you just think of like who's a good skater. Like give me a name. Well, see, this is where the this is where this is what I want to talk about. Okay, so this is where the the question will bother me now. That's why like I asked. A, I it. don't know if it's necessarily <laughs> important to be a good skater in those terms. Yeah, that's why I asked. This is exactly oh, okay. why I asked. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted you to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I see a lot of people like like that skate with me. Even that they, they, we, I've got one guy in particular. Like every single guy that comes on the ice with me, they go, "Where does that guy play?" I go, "Nowhere." They go, "What are you talking about?" I go, "He can't play anywhere. He doesn't know how to play hockey." We look at him skate. I go, "Yeah, I know. He looks like he was born on a river." He's yeah. a, one of the nicest skaters. He, he uh, I'm trying to think who he skates like in the NHL, but it's just an effortless, beautiful skater with speed, and and it's great but he cannot play hockey. So skating doesn't matter to him. Right. Yeah. And then you'll see other players that Tommy Holmstrom, Tommy Holmstrom or whoever in the NHL junior that you go, but even I'll take Denny Gore, for example, he's one of our guys mm-hmm. and I wouldn't consider him like a beautiful skater. I'd consider him like kind of, kind of choppy. Maybe a I'm wrong. A little choppy. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. A little, a little bit choo-choo train. Yeah, I would say my son, yeah, he's he not chugged. a beautiful skater. Yeah. But he doesn't need to be. He gets there, and and like and so now someone on Charlie's team that I think is a really nice skater is Jake Carabella. What a great skater, and he can play hockey, so that's beneficial, mm-hmm. right? So he's got like all all different uh, types of skating. He's got a, a a good look to him. He's got a nice base to him. He gets there quickly. He gets there with speed. So speed and quickness yeah. are different. He can turn. He's got all those things, and a he smooth, can play the yeah. game of hockey. But. And that's, I, I think, for in his case, his skating is beneficial to the way he plays. Right. Right? Whereas my son is a nice skater, but he's not a not the prettiest skater in the whole world. But he's, he's decent enough and fast enough and stuff. But he can play. Yeah. So, like, if you're basing a hockey player on what is considered a good, like, your hockey player on skating, it's not really, it's not, it's important that you can do enough to get there. Right. You have to be fast enough to play, and then if you're not, you have to you, you got to play within your speed. You know, it was funny. I was I've been wanting to actually talk about this for this little piece for a while. I don't know. I and this is going to be so counterintuitive or whatever, but I don't know if power skating helps people, and skating lessons actually help. And I don't. I, I really don't. I'm being very sincere. I've asked people that are in the field, and I never get good answers. Like, and I do this for a living. So, I mean, I, I haven't seen someone give me concrete answers. I see, like, I'll, I'll like, you get to see a, a, one of the clips and all that stuff. And I'll see some of the stuff that people are doing. I'm like, like, what are you doing? It has, it, it if you do something like, this is where I think is uh, some type of power skating can benefit if you do it consistently. Like, I really do enjoy, and I'll give my, my reason. I really do enjoy, and I think it's beneficial for kids or players almost not religiously, but very often to spend time down low on an inside edge with good push-offs. Okay. And I've, so let's say that mechanic skating mechanic is very important to me. So someone would say, well, no, you don't skate that slow in a game. Cause I could, can you look at clips and you can say, well, you'd never do that in a game. Right. Yeah. True. Yeah. So now, if you ask why would you why you'd ever do that in your game, you say no. But what you're doing is I'm working on posture, balance, and 
push and like full extensions with a recovery in slow motion, like not slow motion, but like at a slower moving pace. I'm not making, I'm not doing it to make it faster. I'm making it for just proper mechanics. I've never seen it not work after a period of time. It's always helped every player I've worked with. All right. And I could do that with change of speed and add some crossovers and stuff. But I'll see a lot of things that people do in, in power skating lessons. And I go, why? Because they focus all only on certain things. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, it's just. Well, I feel like, I feel like you're, I feel like the answer is the, it's the the trainer makes the program, right? It's like, whether it works or not, it's kind of based on the trainer that's teaching what's being taught. Mm -hmm. Like, cause for me, it's like, if you have a a deficiency as a skater, we should do a whole episode on this, by the way. I think we should. Yeah. Um, if you have a skater that has a, a certain deficiency, then a generic power skating coach doing a power skating lesson in their style of what they like isn't necessarily what you need. That's that's right. Another thing, yeah. So so I so think twenty guys on the ice are all doing the same thing for right. power skating. It's like that's not necessary, right. especially when you start to see it at the higher levels. Yeah. Like when you're when you're a kid, anything helps. A- anything helps, right? So that's why. People might listen to this and be like, well, what are you, crazy? Power, of course, power skating helps, whatever. It's like, no, doing reps helps when you're a kid of anything. Learning how to balance on one foot and do a crossover and go backwards and doing any of that is going to help because it's just reps. But I'm talking about like a structured power skating lesson. As you get to the older age groups, you have very specific deficiencies as a skater. So if you get some, whoever the skating coaches and they come out and everyone has their own style and things they like to focus on and if they focus on just that for you is that going to help like i don't know and that's that's more what i think you're saying where if you look at um the example i remember i think we talked about before was john Tavares, who was like always getting knocked for skating and then he went and had a, a really intense power skating type summer with someone and apparently. it actually apparently and then he actually, I don't think he's a bad skater. Like, I don't hear anyone question his skating anymore. So, it, to some degree, it must have helped him. Yeah, right? This, this is my argument with it, though. And maybe I got to get closer to this. Yeah. This is my argument with it, though. Is I'm not saying it can't help you a little <clears throat> bit, but right. did that help? Or did being in the gym, getting stronger, and moving your body properly help? Yeah, right. And there, I don't know if I can get that answer. Right. Like, in my opinion, the it's the... It's the gym that helps skating, and I'm I do this for a living, so I'm like cutting my own throat here. No, no, I, I, but I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I agree I, because I think you have mechanics, and like here's the other thing: if you think about doing a power skating lesson, like a lot of people like to do videos and stuff, and it's good, but I'd rather have that video in real time so that while if I was if I was skating that I could actually see like no arm swing needs to be here. No leg out, so you can actually see yourself yeah. doing it. That's kind of where that the skating treadmill yeah. is a good tool. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, if you go and you do something, you come back and you look, you say, "Oh, I got to do this." Then you come back. Well, no, you got to bring it in more. Bring your, bring your foot in at a more uh, seven degrees more. Wait, what the, does that? Mean? Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Like you know what I mean. So, anyways. I do. Anyways, to answer that question about a skater, what is a good skater? I forgot the question was, but. What's a good, as simple as possible, what's a good skater yeah, versus get a get to where skater. you need to go. Yeah. You get, be fast enough and be able to change directions. It doesn't necessarily have to be pretty. Yeah. And have it like, have it work with how you play. I think yeah. that's the, the most important thing yeah. about it. It's like, if you can skate for the job that you're trying to do, yeah. then it only needs to be as good as it needs to be. Yeah. You know but I mean? think if you get to the, get in the gym and you do proper movements, 
good loads and stuff like that, I think it's it's going to help you tremendously. Yeah, if you are on the poor end. Let's see. We got we'll do three more. What are some ways to improve positioning as a forward in the O zone? I always find myself going to the net and don't really know what else to do. So, how do you improve your positioning as a forward when you're in the offensive zone? Is the question. So, so it's, it's I, th- I feel like question. it's like uh how do you teach or how do you get better at like offensive zone awareness is kind of what I'm picking up from this. So he says, I get to the net and I don't really know what else to do when I get there. So it's like, he doesn't really know it's how to think of, the, okay. So it's kind of like, this is a, this is a system structure game or mm-hmm. uh, question. Yeah. It's something that you probably have to go through with your coach or the team you're playing for and find out what, like, what or pay attention to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So number one, I would say, and I said this the other day, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I said, Someone going to the net and going there consistently and going there hard is a good thing. So if if, if you're talking about getting to the net, don't ever change that. Mm-hmm. That's good most of the time unless you're supposed to be the – unless there's a guy in the middle lane that drove and you're going with him and now you're just dumb. Yeah. Right? Well. Yeah. <laughs> right? So if, it's, if you think going to the net is a bad thing, it's not. Now, just staying at the net, now you're not playing hockey anymore. Right. So that would be my issue. Is like now you have to find out – or have to figure out or study the game a little bit and say, when is it appropriate to go be the first man on the puck or maybe the second man on the puck? Or when you have two guys on the puck, do you think being in front of the net is the best place to be? Well, probably not because if I'm a defenseman, that's probably where I'm going to be as well, taking care of you. So what you have to, what you have to do is read when you should pop out and get into the honey hole or be high or be a defensive uh, a safety valve on a defensive side of the puck in case it squirts out. Um, and then if you're always in front of the net, then you're obviously not forechecking. Right. If you, okay, so so it's, it's kind of like maybe this question wasn't written properly because I don't think a, a guy would just stand at the net. No, I don't. I, that, that's not what he means. I think he's just saying like, when I'm, how do I play hockey in the offensive zone? Is what he's asking, right? Yeah, so, it's, so okay. but the answer, the answer is what what you're saying. It's, yeah. It's that it depends on like within your team systems and whatever. But yeah. my the reason I'm bringing it up to you is because we see a lot of players that they do a lot of nothing, right? Like I'm thinking of the one guy works real hard but doesn't accomplish a whole lot, and it's kind of keeping guys from being like to that extreme where it's like they feel like they're trying to work as hard as they can but they're not doing anything right so for this guy it's like yeah you get to the net that's good but what what are you supposed to be doing in within your team system right so if you guys play like a all three guys playing down low where you support the puck then you need to identify which guy are you are you one two or three are you supposed to be in the honey hole are you you guys play f3 high are you supposed to be up top Right, so going to the net like off the rush, that's good. But just going to the net and, and just going standing. to the net when the D has a puck and they're going to shoot, that's a good thing. Yeah, too. right. So you have to right. do it when it's appropriate. You have to be able to read plays. You have to be able to see. You have to play hockey, like you say, right? You can't just go there and just be like, "Well, now what?" Yeah. It's like you have yeah. to analyze the game. Yeah. So the 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 skeleton or the bones of of um, same thing, skeleton bones <laughs> of 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 the structure of hockey is not that difficult. Yeah. Right. You're either playing a one-two-two. Which means one guy's going hard at the puck, and you got two guys higher. If the puck goes to the other side, one of those, probably the strong opposite side. side, the strong yeah. side, will go down real hard, and this guy will come across, and this guy will pull out. That'd be a one-two-two. A two-one-two would be two guys in, so one guy go for the puck or the man. Second guy try to get a loose one or be look look for the 
uh, for the shrapnel. And the third guy would be higher in the honey hole, strong side, whatever, so he can get a pack, uh, get a shot, or if the puck squirts loose, you're defending. And if you went three, then it's just three, right? Like it's uh, whatever. So beyond that is like, if you have the puck, you make a play. If you if you if you're a guy without the puck, you're looking to support the puck or to get open. Which ways do you get open? Well, sometimes a really good option is to use the back of the net. So uh, you can't really score from there too often, but you can set up plays from back there. So you can use the back of the net or you can use honey holes and, and just finding different higher places in the uh, offensive zone to be. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty much it. Yep. Nope. Good with that. Next question. Um, okay, so this guy, this guy that watches a lot of our stuff, he was saying... Uh, he listened to the podcast where we talked about training during the season. Mm-hmm. And so this is the context of that question. So he asks, uh, Hey coach, just listen to the podcast. What is the purpose of slowing down within season training? Slowing down. So we'll talk about what that means. Is it possible to continue to get stronger during the season? So um, we talked about in the in season training tools episode that we just did a couple episodes ago, we were talking about how during the season, your training goals are different than in the off season, obviously. So you focus more in the weight room. If you're a more experienced athlete, you focus more on maintaining the strength that you built in the off season and your injury prevention, because your speed and conditioning is more or less taken care of with how much you're on the ice. So his, his question is, why would you, why do you have to slow down in the gym? Kind of. So there's, why can't you just keep progressing? Can I keep getting stronger with my workouts when I'm, or do I purposely not get stronger? Right. Cause when we say maintenance, maintenance is not the same as progress. Right. So his, his question is kind of that. Why do we, why do we just stick with being okay to maintain as opposed to pushing it to get stronger kind right. of thing? So yeah. did you, you want to do it or me? You, well, I'll do it too, but you yeah, go first. I was just going to say like you in the season, you just got so much going on. You're, 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 you got one ass, you can't ride two horses, mm-hmm. right? You, you, uh, you can't get stronger and put the time and the energy into being stronger and then play a really good, um, especially if you're doing three, four, five times on the ice. Mm-hmm. You can't keep that up properly, so you got to just maintain. Your focus now has to be on being a good hockey player, not about necessarily getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Or and I don't, you can still, you can still be strong, but you just can't put the time and the effort in what will happen is you'll just wear yourself right out, yep. right? And then and then with working out uh, um, as much as you would in the summertime, you include that into your hockey season with the banging and the uh, travel, like whatever. It depends on what level you are, but the amount of hockey that you're playing, like your risk of injury is going up a lot more. So that's why maintenance is probably more important. Yeah. So when this when the season's happening, like so keep, you have to remember if you want to get – if you want to progress in any way, if you want to get faster, stronger, whatever, the way you do that is actually the recovery process. It's not the workout process, yeah. right? So if I want to get stronger, the the training part actually breaks me down. What makes me stronger is the recovery part. So the reason why during the season, you, you typically can't really make progress in those other areas in terms of strength, let's say, is because you don't have that recovery time. Like you don't have the you don't, you can't, like you said, you can't put the time into what you need to in order to focus on getting stronger. Now, you also mentioned to the level that you're at is important because when you're younger, for a lot of the guys that are young in here, they'll still get strong, even though we're training in the season, they'll actually get stronger. They will see progress because there's so much growth happening. They have the testosterone, they're going through puberty, 
and those growth years, you're still going to grow. That's like if you, if you don't work out at all, if you never do anything, you're still going to get bigger and stronger just because of puberty, right? So if you're in those years when you're off ice training, even in the season, you'll still get stronger. It's not that you just are going to hit the brakes and not progress at all, right? Everything keeps yeah. is going to keep going. When we talk about the maintenance thing, that's more geared toward the more experienced athletes that are a little bit older. Once you're kind of plateauing in terms of your growth, you're going to be maintaining strength more than gaining strength. So you still might up until you're, let's say 20, it's possible if you're on a really strict, like two times a week maintenance program and you're tracking your weight and you're dialed in on your meal plan and you're really good about your recovery, you could still see progress for sure. But the idea is that it's not the focus now. Our, fo- our focus isn't progress like it is in the off season of getting bigger, faster, stronger. You might by default, but your mindset is more, let's maintain. If you get extra, like that's bonus, great. Yeah. But the putting the resources into trying to get stronger, it's not as feasible during the season because of how much or how demanding or how much conditioning you're doing, the lack of rest, the lack of recovery, if you're playing at that high level where it's so, so demanding on you week to week. Does that, does that make sense, kind of? No, that makes total sense. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that or no? Yeah, the, the other, just the other thing is your objective when you're at a certain level anyways, your objective is not necessarily to be stronger. Like people got to people gotta also gauge on what is strong enough. Right. It's like, like being a good skater. Point. Like how good Great of a point. skater do you need to be? Yeah, how great. fast do you need to be? Like sometimes maybe too fast. There could be a such thing as too fast maybe. I don't know. Like if Connor McDavid is any faster, I don't know. I mean, it's not going to hurt you, but I, I, it might go through the end wall. Yeah. No, I'm not joking. Yeah. Might hurt himself. People, you know, might actually hurt yourself. But okay, that's maybe not the best example. But you get the point. When it comes to strength, like, do you need to have like gorilla strength? Like, is that necessary? You know, like George St. Pierre says it really well in his book, uh, The Way of the Fight, is a lot of people get confused of what strength is. So if you can do a, a if you can squat 550 pounds, let's say, that's that's good, maybe. Okay, but if you can't, if you can't do a one-legged whatever, or you do, or, or you don't have really good balance, let's say let's say that let's say your balance isn't really good. So if you do a, like a yoga pose, or a, a RDL, like a, a rear a Romanian deadlift, like a one-legged Romanian deadlift. And your balance is off, and you can't really do it. Then does the strength even matter anymore? Mm-hmm. Right. So which one is more important? Maybe oh, maybe I need to work on my balance. Well, yeah, you do. So the the smaller muscles, like our mobility muscles and our supporting muscles, are just as important as our big muscles. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people get confused with what is stronger or what's it need to be bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah. Well, to a certain degree, but you got to be able to control that. Like if you're so strong. Um, like for, for pushing off, but your deceleration strength is not strong. Well, then it's actually not that good either. Yeah. So when you go to stop or change directions, well, you actually can might hurt yourself if you don't have the decelerating muscles to, to counterbalance your, your, um, whatever muscles. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you know what I'm saying? Totally. But then, and, and, and then, and then your stre- like your mobility. So like there's all these things, like what's, what is strong enough? So you, when you work in the summertime to get to, and I'm not saying you should stop at 227 pounds, right? I'm saying like when you're working out in the summer, you push as, you push to get very very strong, but then there's a, there's a point where you do, you don't need to be any that much stronger. Yeah, there's other things that are obviously could be compensated for. Right, and th- this was kind of my point when I was answering that other question about the 
13 year old that can deadlift 205. It's mm-hmm. like strength is only as important as the application you need it for, yeah. you know? So if you're a power lifter, it's important that you can lift as much as possible and doing a squat. 100%. But insofar as your strength is applied to hockey, it's like, mm-hmm. how much do you need to squat? It's like, it's not an indicator of how good you are at the game. Right. Right. So your applied strength to the environment you need it in is what's important. So strength for the sake of strength actually could be negative because in spending all this time constantly working to progress your strength, you're, you're taking away time from other areas where you might need it. Right. So that's, that's a really good point because it's not, it's not just about progress for the sake of progress all the time in all areas. It's like, you have to actually get specific about what you need to be working on once you get to a certain age, right? When you're young and you're working on everything, you have to work on everything, which is fine, but you only need so much strength for the job that you need to do. And so because you only have so many resources to doing to improving yourself, once you hit a certain threshold of strength as a hockey player, it's not that important that you can deadlift eight plates. Like, no, it doesn't matter. That doesn't have anything to do with the game performance, which is what the important thing is, right? It's your in-game performance. It's not how much can I deadlift? If that's your goal, if you're entering a deadlifting competition, then it's important, right? So you have to keep that in mind. I have one more question. (laughs) This is the last one. Um, How did you stay on track when you were at school? So I feel like this is directed at me. I feel like sometimes it is hard with all the social events time management, et cetera. So um, I'm going to let you answer this one first. How did you stay? So they're asking me, how did I, how did I stay on track when I was at school in particular? So I'll, I'll speak to that after, but it's basically just, let's talk about the staying on track thing in general. So like, how are you, if you want to, if you're a hockey player, how do you balance maybe let's say school as one, let's say your social life, let's say managing time, staying on track with all that stuff. Um, because it can be tough to handle all those those types of things. Yeah. So they'll talk a little bit about the prioritize and execute type of deal for, for the hockey players. Yeah. You can't do it all. You got, um, basically I heard this a long time ago and it's kind of true. You, uh, you can, there's a girlfriend, girlfriend or social life. There's hockey and there's school. Pick, pick two. That's the reality. That's exactly the answer that I gave him when I answered oh, yeah? this before. Yeah. Precisely. Pick, pick two. Pick two. Because you can't, like, yeah. you can still go out sometimes. You can right. still, whatever. But if you're focused on, uh, hey, you can go out all night, but your school or your hockey is going to suffer. So the bottom line is, is uh, you, this is where it becomes complicated, and this is where you will, when when things get maybe tougher, or you're in a grind, or you're not, things aren't going your way. This is where the social events become the escape, right? So. So we're obviously talking about the guy that wants to be the player. I'm not saying you never go out. I'm not saying that at all. But you have to prioritize what you're doing. So what's the most important thing? So some parents will say it's school. And some parents will say it's hockey, then school, or school, then hockey, and whatever. Um, I'm not judging either way. Um, But like, and then it's it's the social life. So with my son... I don't really give a shit about your social life. I actually don't care because uh, you'll have a lot of time for that. And your hockey team is your social life. If you hang out with your hockey team, especially at the junior level, 
that is your social life. And I can't find a finer place to be. Yeah, seriously. You're always in a social event. So, like, that excuse to me is bullshit. Now, yes, do you guys like to go out and play some pool and stuff? Of course. Hang out as teammates and stuff? Yeah. But now, if you if you have parents or you yourself consider school an important thing, then school has to come before the social life. Right? And then hockey is whatever. So, yeah, yeah that's the bottom line. You got to pick one. Pick one or pick two. Yeah. Because you can't do all three. Yeah. That was, that's exactly what I, precisely what I said. I said the exact same thing. You got social, you got school, you got sports, you get to pick two. If you try to do all three, if you try to balance all three, all three suffer. You can't, yeah. you can't excel in all three. So if you try to s- spend a balanced amount of time, you're not going to excel in any. You might be fine in all, but you're not going to excel in any. No way. Yeah. And that's just kind of the, the nature of the beast is it takes... There's certain things you're going to have to sacrifice. And I use the word sacrifice loosely because very loosely. Because to me, when I was playing and when I was in school, I really liked school, man. I loved going to school. I, I liked everything about it. I liked going to class. I liked doing the work. I liked studying. I liked all of it. It didn't feel like I was sacrificing. Like it didn't feel like I was losing something or missing something because I really wanted to do these other two things. I really wanted to play and I really wanted to do well in school. So people call it a sacrifice, but it's like, it's just what you want to do. You don't call what you want to do a sacrifice. You know what I mean? So when you're thinking about your, your division of time and, and how you're going to balance everything or manage everything, it's like, there has to be a clear priority. There has to be a clear priority. Yeah. So here's another little tidbit. Old school guy here talking to you. If you tell me what's important to you, I'll listen to you. But if you show me your schedule or you show me where you're at, then you'll tell me the truth. Yep. So you could tell me that hockey's, you know, I want to be a hockey player. I want to do whatever. But if you're, you know, I'm, I'm so focused on this. And if time that you should be dedicating to getting your rest and your sleep and your eating and all that stuff is taken away with something else, then yeah, okay. Or if you say school is the most important thing, but you're doing something else at night, School and hockey is your most important thing, but you're with your friends all night. You're showing that your friends are the most important thing or your social life's the most important thing. And it's just not a bad thing necessarily. It's just what you choose. What you put your time in the most is what is most important to you. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So like you can say one thing, but your actions will speak, will speak the truth or tell you, tell me differently. Yeah. And this is where we ask that question of everybody. They, everyone says they want to do it, but do they really want to do it? Because when you get invited to the party on Friday or when everybody goes out on Saturday after the game, you'll be able to, you'll be able to pick your spots, you know, you'll be able to pick your spots to go. But the majority of the time, the answer is going to have to be no, because you can't do all of it. Right. So when I I remember, like we always had Fridays when I was in at university, because they're asking me specifically about school, we played every Friday, Saturday, we practiced Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Right. And you were an engineer. And I was in engineering. So when am I going to study? Right. So once I fill all the gaps in with studying, because that's what I did with my time, there's not a whole lot left there. Yeah. You know, there's not a whole lot left. And the only time where I would go out and do something social would be in those slight lulls in school where I had just finished my exams and like the load was lightened up for a week or whatever. That weekend, maybe I'll go 
partake in whatever the event is, you know? So it's not that you can never be social. You scheduled things. I scheduled, yeah. Scheduled, oh, I was okay, scheduled. Dinner? Yeah, well, yeah, let me see. Right? I can do this night. So if you, if you, if you can schedule things in advance, obviously that's helpful because you'll, you should know your schedule and when you have openings and you'll know what's coming and you can look forward to that if you really care about the social stuff. But at the end of the day, like the answer just has to be no for a lot of this stuff. It's like you get home, I get home on a Saturday night at not it would be Sunday morning, it'd be two o'clock in the morning when we get off the bus. And I have to study on Sunday because I didn't get to the last two days because yeah. we had games or whatever, yeah. where I'd be in the hotel from when we get up to have breakfast at 8.30 or whatever, I would study at the hotel and wherever we were for four hours before we get do our pregame meeting or whatever, yeah. you know, or before we go to the team meal or whatever it is. And that's just what happens. You have to use your time effectively, even just to balance two of the three, you know? And if you, if you have a big problem, let's say giving up the social stuff, like you might just not want it that bad. And that's okay. You know, it's okay. If you don't want to make, do what's necessary to pursue what you want to do or to excel at what you're saying you want to do, maybe you just don't want it that bad. And that's fine. You can go, you can do something else. Like no one's making you, but if you're going to, if you're going to say, this is what you want to do, that's just what you have to do in order to be successful at it. If you, otherwise you're not going to get it. And that's okay. If, if that's what it it is, what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's all I have on that. Yeah. Nothing, nothing really to add to that. It's, it is what it is. Like, I know that for me, a lot of people ask like, Hey, what are you doing Saturday? What are you doing here? And it's my answers forever has been, well, I'm working number one and I'm working like, and I don't want things to take away from my workouts and I've got family. So it's like my priority is for social stuff is like very, very low on my totem pole. People say, well, that might not be fun, but I got pretty good life Yeah, and I have fun doing everything I do. So it's not, it's not hurting me. Yeah. It's it what your value. perception of That's what, what fun just, is. It's like the fear say. of missing out. Like, I don't know. Or people, sometimes people get pressured into doing things. It's like, I don't get pressured. It's like. That's exactly what I was going to say, man. It's what you value. It's, yeah. it's the things that you care about. I have doing. zero pressure. It's like, I'm sorry that, not, no, I'm not sorry, but okay. You would, you're asking me to come to your garage or your barbecue on friday night and i appreciate you asking but sorry i can't come and when people say well yeah but why don't you you never do whatever it's like it will not affect your life one for one second if i don't go Mm -hmm. it won't yeah that's because people well they'll say that all the time about social stuff well like you need to you need to relax a little bit you need to loosen up a little bit whatever it's like you might need to tighten up yeah it's like okay (laughs) that's what you you value what you're saying if that if you need to relax on weekends and whatever then that's fine but don't tell me what i have to do yeah that's right right? because maybe i just like different things than you that's right right so i thought that was a good question to hand off on because it's a little more philosophical (laughs) we like getting into the philosophical here so we'll wrap her up there see you next week everyone